It is the, the Sunday of joy. Uh, but I want to talk about a, a different group and one that gets oftentimes forgotten. And today I just want to make sure it gets said and taught on. The Gospel of John chapter 11 contains this rare slice of life uh, that's really common to everybody on the planet. A friend of Jesus's dies. Jesus' friend Lazarus dies. And all of us sooner or later will experience the loss of a loved one or a friend or somebody close to us. Everybody will. It's just guaranteed. And our loss is most really keenly felt at this time, isn't it? During Christmas time, during the seasons. So our loss, um, it just shows up right now on these long and dark uh, nights and cold and so forth. And we're all supposed to be gathered around. And when we're all supposed to be gathered around and doing the holidays together and then somebody's not there anymore, then we feel the pain of it and we feel the loss. And we're sad. Jesus' close friends, Martha and Mary and Lazarus, lived about two miles south, southeast of Jerusalem. And Jesus said to his disciples when they found out that Lazarus was sick, they said, let's go see Lazarus because this is a moment, Jesus says, of great glory for the Son of God. Now he's talking about himself. A great moment for the Son of God. And Jesus and the disciples, though, stay where they are two days more. Even though Lazarus is sick, like on death's door. And Jesus says, let's go. And then they stay two more days. There's a point to it. And then they head off to Bethany. Now, at the same time, in this story in John, which is really a long story, by the way, there in John chapter 11, we find that the disciples are also very concerned and upset because in Jerusalem, Jesus is to be arrested the moment he's seen. So they've been saying, don't go to Jerusalem. And you got to go through Jerusalem to get two miles more to Bethany, coming from the north. And Jesus says, well, we're going. And so um, the disciples say, well, what, what the heck? Let's just go with Jesus and we'll all die with him, which is actually what they say in the Scripture. Let us go and die with him. John 11, verse 16. And here we pick up the story. Verse 17, John 11. When Jesus arrived, this is at Martha and Mary's house, Lazarus' house. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus was already, had already been in the tomb four days. And now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you had been here, says Martha. Now, who hasn't thought this or said this or prayed this? Lord, if you had been here, I wouldn't have experienced the loss I have right now in life. I wouldn't be experiencing this pain. And life wouldn't just seem to have come to a complete standstill. How'd this happen? Lord, why, why him, we pray? Lord, why her? Why, why now? Why so young? Why so difficult? Why so wrong? And all of us who have lost someone attempt to come to terms with the fact that life has changed and change permanently 
and irreversibly. They're gone. And in our grief, we struggle to imagine life moving forward. And we're paralyzed and trapped between not wanting time to move as somehow we could make it all not happen and yet wanting everything to be made nude and move on and just be different. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died, Martha says. Mary says it again a few verses later. The other sister, if you'd been here, Jesus. Martha, your brother will arise again. Yes, yes, we know, Jesus. We know at the great resurrection, we will all rise from the dead. We know that, Jesus, Martha replies. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. John chapter 11, verses 25 through 27. We know this is true. We have... We have to trust that someday we will see our loved one again. Yes? Someday. This is hope, everyone. This is the definition of hope. This is Christian hope. This is hope of life after death. This is the hope we all must have. And we know in our head and we know in our heart that Jesus is going to make it right someday. But today, right now, we are sad and we are alone. And yes, we have our belief, our theology of the resurrection, and we know in our head that it's true. And yet something doesn't take away the sting of death and make it disappear. Does it? And that's why the master of life and death, the one who uttered those incredible words of truth, I am the resurrection and the life, does the most human thing any of us can ever experience. Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible Jesus wept. If you ever thought Jesus was some superhuman being, and sometimes theology drifts off that way, like Jesus actually, you know, never went to the restroom and he never felt an emotion or anything like that. He was some sort of superhuman, some divine holy man or whatever. This verse, Jesus wept, those two words show that Jesus is just like you and me because he just got through uttering those words. I am the resurrection and the life, and then he cries. Martha's sister Mary says that same thing to Martha. I mean, the same thing as Martha. Jesus, if you'd been here. And everyone, with Christmas, Jesus is here. God is with us. And the biggest scandal of all the human stories is right here at Christmas. God is with us. I'll never forget my Jewish brother-in-law years ago as we walked around a cathedral out in Arizona. And I said, like, and we were talking about Christianity. And he said, yeah, well, you Christians believe that God became a, a human being. That's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. I said, yeah, that's exactly it. Nobody would make this stuff up. No world religion ever has except for Christianity. That God is with us. That God became one of us. That God wept. And if you want to rummage around in the theology of it, perhaps this is the very, very first time that the one who breathed the universe into existence actually at that moment understood what it feels like to be a human being and feel sad. But that's pretty theologically demanding at that point. 
Well, uh, we humans, you know, we, we can't help it, but we love to be in control, don't we? We want to control everything, and loss and death is out of our control. We like to play God, and when we're in trouble, we will scream at doctors in the hallway, in the waiting room, and we will get online night after night and Google and search and try and find and become doctors ourselves in order to fix something and then go in and tell the doctors what they ought to be doing because you read something somewhere. You want to be in control. You want to manage the whole thing. And we just try to do everything we can to be God ourselves. We love to play God. And when we don't get to be God at the loss of life and something like that, then we are out of control and we don't get to have our own hope. And we were hoping that we were God. And what we're really faced with is the fact that we're going to have to find our hope somewhere else. Humans hope. To be human is to hope. To hope is the human dynamic. It is the human experience. But not all hope is the same, you know. We have different kinds of hopes, different levels of hope. Uh, one of my old seminary professors, uh, Lou Smeads, Louis Smeads, forgiveness expert, um, brilliant man, said there are really three levels of hope that we all carry with us. These are just common to everybody. First, there's the preference hopes. These are just the common everyday hopes that we all have, the, the preference hopes, the hopes that we prefer in life. They, they don't make us or break us. There's nothing like there's no high stakes in these. These are the hopes that says I can break 100 in my golf game. I've never broke 100 in my golf game, but, you know, I own golf clubs. That's about as good as I do at golf. And, and, but it's a hope. It's a dream. Someday, something like that. You go to the restaurant and you hope the food is good. The, the world doesn't stop spinning if your preference hopes aren't fulfilled. And then Lou Smead says there's a second level of hope, and that's our vital hopes. Now, these get very serious instantly. Vital hopes are those hopes that make the difference between peace and safety, despair and courage, and life and death. These are life and death hopes, everyone. Vital hopes are the ones we all have. It's the one that says, I hope the tumor's benign. I hope the test result comes back negative. I hope the doctors, I hope they heal my little child, and the surgery goes well, better than expected. I hope I don't lose my job and my health insurance. We put our heart fully into vital hopes, Lou Smead says. A vital hope is the difference between serious benefits if it comes true and serious loss if it doesn't come true. These are vital. Your well-being's at stake. And then Smead says there's a third kind of hope, and these are fallback hopes. After the vital, after the vital hopes don't work, we all have a fallback hope. When all of our vital hopes are dashed, we need a fallback hope, and our fallback hope is supposed to be what supports all the rest of our other hopes, and we all have these in life, and that one hope in life is what we're falling back to. It's not, it's not a plan B. It's a foundation. It's not a plan B. It's not like, well, you know, if Veronica can't go out, then, you know, I'll call Betty. Fallback hopes survive all other hopes. It's the bedrock of hope. So to recap, preference hopes are, I hope the snacks tonight at Advent aren't fruitcake. Now, if you're coming to my house, they might actually be. So hope way. That's your preference hope. And then, you know, um, we have our second level on the thing. And that's um, our, our vital hopes. And our vital hopes are saying, I have COVID. I hope it's not bad. I hope I'm asymptomatic. 
I hope, I hope, I hope. And then we have our fallback hopes. I hope in the resurrection of the dead. That Jesus is right. That he is the life and the resurrection. That one hope supports all our hopes. And everyone, that fallback hope is Christmas. That is Christmas. If you don't have a fallback hope in life, then you're really at about the right place. You have come here because you have vital hopes and you have fallback hopes. You come here and you tune in for the very reason that you say, I believe, I believe that God is with us. And even in my loss and even in my pain and even in all the troubles that are going on in the world and all the scariness and all the fears, I have hope because there is God, because God came to be with us as one of us. Emmanuel, God with us. And that's why our sadness needs Christmas, even though Christmas is the hardest time to go through our sadness. And so you can't deny it, and you can't ignore it. You can't stuff it down, and you can't make it go away. You just embrace it. It's a part of the Christmas season for all of us who have lost someone. So I'm so sorry for your loss this Christmas season. And I'm sorry Christmas is a mixed bag for some of us. I'm sorry that the pandemic keeps us apart and makes the whole thing just a big screaming mess and so hard to wade through. I'm sorry for all of that. Just when we need each other most, we can't be together. I remember my mom grieving every Christmas because her sister, the one who raised her, my Aunt Faye, died just a few days before Christmas. And for every year thereafter, Christmas was a mixed bag, and my mom would cry the week or so before Christmas, missing her sister. (laughs) And I think that's what made her even more and more tenacious and determined to celebrate Christmas with all sorts of unflappable joy and tears. Because Christmas meant that much to her, because Faye always came to us at Christmas time. And that's what we have to do. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Jesus called out, Lazarus, come out. Unbind him, let him go. And they did, and he was. And that is why this story in the Gospel of John is so important. It is a foreshadowing of Jesus' own death and resurrection. And Jesus knows it. And that's why he's so disturbed in this story. And so determined to raise Lazarus from the dead. Two days late. No problem. That is a fallback hope. John's gospel spends this disproportionate time right here. Making sure we all understand. John speaks brilliantly in this chapter. You can tell he's an eyewitness. He details how upset Jesus was in his tears, the commanding voice, the foreshadowing of everything that is to come, the reason why we're here today. It's all right there. So I pray your Christmas is a fallback hope. I pray that you do not fall off into despair and loss, even though you're uttering those same words as Martha and Mary. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If it all was remade, we wouldn't have to go through any of this. And Jesus says, I know, I know, I know, I've been there. I am the resurrection of life. 
That's what Jesus says to the grieving Martha and Mary. And that's what he says to us. And that's why we celebrate Christmas, even with tears. So we come here to the last two weeks before Christmas, and we measure out these days by lighting the candles on the Advent wreath at home, as well as here, of course. And we wait, and we watch, and we listen. So I encourage each of you to take time to listen. What you don't want to do is run through Christmas and just be busy. It's perfect right now in some weird respects because we're all stuck. (laughs) And it, it should be availing us to listening. So sit by the fire, sit in your chair, drink your tea, read the first two chapters of Luke, that birth narrative there, or Matthew if you care to, but Luke is the familiar one. And get your journal or a piece of paper or the back of an envelope and write a prayer to God. God, if you'd been here, I lost my aunt. I lost my husband. I lost my wife. I lost my child. And then turn the page to an unflappable joy. And do Christmas with with tenacity. In spite of our loss and with our loss. Light the candles of the Advent wreath and gather around the Christmas tree and watch the little lights. That's what you're supposed to do. Go for a walk, endure it all, and put it all together.